Welcome to Mind Your Mind with me, Katie Sheehan, a new self-care and self-awareness series only on spin. It is episode four and I am so excited to talk to money coach Eugene Ryan on how money really affects our mindset. Eugene, thank you so much for joining me on spin today. Katie, delighted to be here. I find this so interesting because I think money can be the root of all evil and cause the most stress to any age group. Would you agree that if it's not used correctly, it can become a massive stress? I completely agree with you. Um, and and the difficulty about it is that uh, we can be very, very hard on ourselves uh, when it comes to uh, our relationship with money. Uh, we look outwardly at other people, at the success, the apparent success they're having, the car they drive, the house they live in, the holidays they go on. And, you know, we, we think they must have their money organized. They really must know what they're doing. And, and I struggle with this. So it must be me. I must be the fault. And after years of talking to people about their finances, decades of talking to people about their finances, you know, that's the case. The, the normal scenario is people feel a lot of stress, a lot of guilt. Uh, it's a real pain point for them, regardless of how they might appear outward. Yes, I totally agree. It is something that a lot of people find it hard to get on top of, whether it be saving, money management. But this is where you come in with money coaching. Tell me a little bit about what you do. So what we do is we go through a program with people to give them the tools that they need to make better decisions uh, with their finances to reduce the, the, the stress and the guilt around their spending. Uh, so one of the taglines that we use when we talk about money coaching, we say how to have more money at the end of the month without using budgets or spreadsheets. Now, the reason why we say that is because the, if, if somebody decides that they're going to sort out their finances, uh, the first thing they'll go to, and a lot of what websites will recommend and, and uh, various companies will recommend, is to get it, download a budget. Start with your budget, write everything out, prove everything on paper. Uh, the problem with that is that two, two things can go wrong as soon as you've wrote that budget. The first thing is there are things that you uh, should have remembered that you, you just forgot. Um, for me, it could be the television license on a certain month or it could be anything uh, that you should have remembered. So automatically, your budget's out. You're not going to meet the goal that you set for yourself. And the second reason is that uh, there's something that you couldn't have foreseen. Um, if uh, put it this way, Getty, if, if a friend rings you up and tells you they got engaged and you didn't have that included in the budget, are you going to go out and have a drink with them? I'll try. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 like we're human. We're living like you. Know, like, you probably won't have friends for very long if you tell them. You know, I can't go out and have a drink with you to celebrate your your uh, engagement because it's not in the budget I wrote at the start of the month. So, so that's their real problems and difficulties people have uh, when it comes to budgeting. And and when they try to go that route of making the budget and trying to set it out that way, um, often what it does it will compound the negative uh, uh, feelings they have around finance and and the belief that they're just bad with money. It's just them and they're just bad with money. And then it's really hard to to change that behavior out of it. So what we do is we give you different tools. These are tools that we've actually learned. I haven't made up any of these myself. These are all things that I've I've learned from uh, behavioral economics, which is all about the psychology of money, about how you can improve uh, your situation by uh, 
increasing the barriers for the things that you want to do less of and lowering the barriers for the things that you want to do more of. So if if one of those things is, you know, you, you identify that you spend too much money on clothes, for example, um, and you're not putting enough money into savings so that you'll have money to go on uh, a nice holiday or two holidays a year or whatever it might be. Well, well, how can we address that to set things up for yourself so that you're more likely to do the right thing and less likely to do the wrong thing, in your opinion? We all have different values. We all have different priorities. So what we like to work with people is figure out, well, what are your priorities? What would you like to spend your money on? And how can we set things up for you so that you get the outcomes that you would like to have? And it's very possible, isn't it? It's it, it's like anything in life that if you put your everything into it and, you know, really work on it, it retraining yourself from your spending habits. I completely agree with you. And, and, and I had to do it myself. You know, I started working in a bank when I was 20 and they gave me a credit card and an overdraft. It was an absolutely ridiculous uh, line of credit to give a 20-year-old. I should never have had an overdraft on a credit card. But, you know, it was available. It was easy credit. It looked it looked fun. It was fun for a couple of months. And then there was a year of having to figure out how that was going to be paid back. So I've done it. I've, I, I have employed all of these things myself to improve finances. And customers who have graduated through uh, working with us um, you know, they've gotten to situations where they've managed to clear their personal debt. So the money that was going to personal debt payments are now going into savings. So they've gotten ahead of themselves the first time or they have an emergency savings fund accumulated, which is a huge pressure release, you know, to know that, um, well, I'm backing myself here. If something happens, the car breaks down, whatever it is, that's a bad enough situation but it's not compounded with then struggling about, oh, where am I going to find the money for this and how can I access the money and I'm not going to be paid for another couple of weeks. So that's these, these are the things that we have. And, and it is absolutely uh, possible to change. It's just that this isn't information that is, is, is very readily accessible and certainly isn't, isn't you know, you, you could go your whole life and never come across this information. But when you do, you can definitely make changes. And for our young listeners that are, going into college and as you said it's very easy just to go and if you have a clean record to get a loan it's fun in the moment it's great you know and you spend but how important is money mindfulness yeah very much so so that all of the tools that we give to people to help them figure out their finances and to hit the financial goals that they want to hit like they pretty much all come back to having better mindfulness around your spending uh way i like to describe it is that you know most people, money is, is on their mind all the time. It, it is something that is on their mind. They're, they're, they see something they want to buy. It's like, should I buy it? Should I not? There's a bit of internal turmoil going on, justification for the product, uh, you know, uh, trying to balance it up in your head. When is this payment coming in? When is that payment going out? And, and it's on people's minds a lot. The majority of people, it's on their minds. The difference with money mindfulness is that you can be aware of it and it can, you can think about it strategically and so on, but it's not something that it needs to consume your thoughts all the time because you are mindful around your spending, you're aware of what you're doing, and you have simple tools to help you decide what, you, what is right for you to do, what is, what you, maybe what you should avoid, um, and a comfort level of, look, I know where I'm going, I have my plan, you know, I'm on a course, I'm working towards my goals, 
and things are good and you can actually you know feel good about your finances as a result of it. I couldn't agree more. Look, I have to say that I need to take some of these tips and tricks. Does this work for everyone though? You know, if if you're on a low income, you can still do this, can't you? You can still save. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you asked that question because some people when I started doing this first, it was kind of like there was a stigma to it that that's for people who don't have a lot of income. And I'm delighted you've asked the question because it's absolutely not. There's, there's, a, there's a general truth that lifestyle expenses rise with our income, right? And, and in a simple way to prove this is that if you talk to somebody who's currently earning 50000 a year um, and you ask them, you know, uh, what's the end of your month look like? Uh, and they go, I'm lucky if I break even. If I break even, I'm doing well. And they go, when you were earning 25000 when you were earning half of what you're currently earning, what, was, what were things like? It was, if I got to the end of the month and broke even, broke even, I was doing well. And without money mindfulness, as somebody's income, as their career improves and their income goes up and, and they have more money coming in, without money mindfulness, their lifestyle will just rise. Uh, can I give you a funny um, uh, example of, of that? Act? No, but go for it. A new, a new tube of toothpaste, okay? You have a brand new tube of toothpaste and you put that toothpaste on the brush for the first time. Think about the quantity that you might put on that brush. Now, it's, it's, uh, the, the, the tube of toothpaste is now almost fully gone and you don't have another tube of toothpaste and you're going to wash your teeth. How much toothpaste are you happy to consume or to use in that situation versus what you would have used when you had a full tube of toothpaste? I love that. I absolutely love that because I yep. do believe cutting your cloth to your measure is so, so important. Correct. You know, if the, if the resources are available to us, it is the easiest thing in the world to use up those resources. We're almost, it's almost predetermined for us to do it. Uh, Laura, who I work with, gave me a very nice line yesterday, which, which ties into this, which is, you know, it's, it's, better, it's better to tell your money where to go than wonder where it went. You know, and that's all part of this mind. But back to your question of, of you know, this is it for people on lower income. Be, because we, th- we will use the resources, our lifestyles rise to our income, I, I don't think there's an upper limit to your income that you will say, oh, now I'm on this income. And I've seen people on, you know, 10 times the national industry, industrial wage who still can't get savings together because things have just moved along. And if you're on a higher income, the likelihood is that your best friends are on that income. And, you know, they're going on certain holidays, they're living in certain areas, they're driving certain cars. Uh, by default, you will, you know, without mindfulness, probably do exactly the same thing and manage to get through all of your income every month. So there's, there's an interesting statistic that uh, no matter what income somebody is on, when asked, uh, are you comfortable with that? Would you need more uh, to meet your financial goals? Regardless of income, almost everybody says 20% more. If I had 20% more, I'd be okay. So what we do in money coaching and through money mindfulness is, well, if you could find the 20% now on the income you are on, and, and relieve the pressure and be comfortable. And then the next time you get a pay rise, look at the opportunity you will now have when you're clear about what you're doing, why you're doing it, what goals you're working towards. That all becomes opportunity money then, which is far more interesting. It really does sound that way. Of recent, I have to say, Eugene, I have started cutting down on things, whether it be the apps coming out of 
my bank account every month. You don't notice the seven ninety nine, the you know the mm. nine ninety nine, the fourteen ninety nine, and it was really crazy to me when I really looked at it how much was coming out if you added it all together. I, yeah, I completely agree. And and the uh, the other interesting aspect to that as well, with regard to the, the the subscriptions coming out, is the thought and the work that companies and people on websites and, and commercial entities, the thought and the work they put into to getting to you to spend money is huge. They it's a science. They have worked it out so carefully. Um, like if you look back over all the subscriptions you have and you think, well, which ones am I actually using and why do I have them and when did, how did I make the decision to sign up to that? Like you, you have been very carefully manipulated, as everybody is, to, to make those decisions. A great article I read recently on, on what supermarkets do to get you to spend money, uh, 50 different things they do to get you to spend money. And some of them are quite dark on you know, what they're trying to do to manipulate you to get you to spend. And that's exactly where the mindfulness aspect comes in. If you have good mindfulness around uh, yourself, your spending decisions, how you come to these things, those tools that they use fall away. Um, you know, they don't work at all as effectively when you do that. I can totally see that. I have been dipping in and out of this. I find this so interesting. And I was advised a little tip in buying something. So if I wanted to buy something that I seen and it's there and I'm like, oh, I need it. And as you said, I'm justifying mm. to myself why I want it. I was advised to look at it and walk away from it and if you want to go away and spend a week or two and save a bit mm-hmm. towards it and in two weeks time see if you still want it correct yeah yeah that that's that's you know that that piece of advice is huge because uh retailers know that if they don't get you to spend the money in the instance when you're in the shop the likelihood of you returning is incredibly low like ridiculously low possibility that you will come back. But but in general, when you think about the way things have gone, like everything is always discounted now. Like previously you'd have standard prices and occasionally you'd have a Christmas sale and you'd have an, uh, you know, um, a summer sale and stuff like that. Sales go, you know, just repeat now. They're, they're, everything is always on offer all of the time. And that's part of the psychology of getting you to part with the money now because it's it's lowering your... Uh, uh, inhibition to actually buying the property. Well, I'm here in the shop. I can justify in my head why I should want it. And there's 30% off it. And they're telling me there's only two left. And and everything is pushing you towards, you know, impulse. Now is the time to do it. Don't wait. Um, purchase it now. Economists actually have, uh, even back when I was doing economics in school, which is a long, long time ago, even back then, because behavioral economics is a relatively new field, but but even in economics way back when I was doing my leaving search, uh, we got taught the phrase for that. Uh, it's post-purchase dissonance. It's the feelings that people have after they've made their impulse purchase where they have regret and a bit of disillusionment about the product that they bought. So that advice that you got to say, just walk out of the shop and give it some time to think about it. If it still makes sense in a week or two to buy it, and you're willing to travel back to the shop, it's probably the right thing to do. Yes, that's it. And as you said there, panic buying, like that is such Mm. a huge thing, isn't it? And emotionally Mm. spending. I do know, you know, there's such a huge side to it where you're buying something to just get that immediate feeling of, oh, that felt so good. But as you said, it doesn't always end up that way. It, 
there's actually a huge parallel on the psychology of your ability to save with the same kind of psychology that goes on with diets. Uh, you know, I'm sure you saw the posts over the pandemic and stuff where it's like, you know, you're not hungry, you're bored, you mm-hmm. know. And in that psychology as well, where like where somebody might try a crash diet, they might try to eat cabbage for a week, like that's not going to work. Like long term, okay, maybe there are people out there where this has worked for, but ordinarily, in my opinion, anyway, or my experience, these things don't work. So if you if you are very harsh on yourself and you say, right, for the next for the next month, I'm living like a hermit. I'm not spending any money and I'm not going to have any fun and I'm going to get my savings together. The reality is that that's probably going to be short-lived and it's not going to last because it's not a, it, that's not the type of a habit that is something that will have longevity to it. So I don't know if you've heard this phrase before about it takes 30 days to form a habit. Yes. Well, the, the, the research on that says that that is true provided that the habit that you're trying to form is relatively easy to do and uh, you're, you're getting a clear, you can see a clear reward and benefit coming from it. So in the, in the tools that we provide to people, that, that's what our aim is, is yes, change your habits, change your way around you doing it, but let's be realistic about it. If what you're doing is, is a pain and a difficulty, you know, it's not going to stick. And, and if, you, if you're not emotionally connected to this plan. If somebody sends their, let's say, and this has happened, if, if somebody in their 50s has a daughter who's 25 and they send them to me uh, to do money coaching, if that 25-year-old is coming to me and they're like, oh, my dad said I have to do this. <laughs> and, and, they, and they don't care. They just want to, you know, they're happy with what they're doing. They're happy being, you know, getting through their wages, spending on what they're spending. And they probably don't have a lot of wages in the first place anyway at 25. This isn't really, you know, we're probably not going to make much of a difference. But if they're invested in this, if they think, yeah, that, that actually makes sense. I, I want to have less stress on my finances. I want to have more money mindfulness. I want to have better savings. I want to put things in place now which will benefit me over uh, my lifetime, then yes, we will definitely make make a much better impact then. It makes so much sense. Honestly, you're making me want to run out and change all my spending money ways. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit, Eugene, about a fun to euro ratio that you do. Yes. So this this is we were putting together as a as a bit of a quiz actually to challenge people on it. And and again, it really ties back into the money mindfulness. So one of the things that we do is we help people figure out some kind of percentages for when they get their income that they would split it out to their necessities, their discretionary and their uh, savings. Now, those things don't sound particularly fun, um, necessities and discretionary. You know, <laughs> probably people are tuning out, uh, <laughs> listening to these boring, boring words. But really what that is about is that you pay your bills, you pay the things that you have to, to be able to live. They have to get paid. And ideally, you should make some savings as well, uh, if you can, or start building towards it. But with, what, with the money that's left, that money is your money for you to decide what you choose to spend on. And our recommendation would be, you should be maximizing the fund euro ratio you're getting for the spend that you're now spending. Because whatever the amount of money that somebody might have for a week or for a month, that's their choice to spend on whatever they choose to spend on. So the first thing we would always recommend is, who's making the decision on where that money is being spent? That should be your choice through, through mindfulness. You should be making the choice about where that money is being spent. And considering, am I maximizing the best fund that I can 
I can get on the on that spend. So, and and, it, and it's different for everybody. You know, like somebody might decide that they're going to that that on a certain week they're going to go for dinner with a friend, and 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 that might be absolutely brilliant for them, and they'd love it. Another person might decide. My brother, for example, is big into the outdoors, and he must have like seven different bicycles and <laughs> uh, and kites and all sorts of out canoes and kayaks and all sorts of things. He might decide to upgrade one of his bikes or a part of the bike or whatever, and and for him, that gives him the most fun to Euro ratio for that spend. But you know, it's very easy for us to be influenced by what our friends are doing, what our neighbours or colleagues are doing, what we think we're expected to do. Uh, just the societal pressure really in general uh, has a huge influence on where our money is actually being spent. So taking a little bit of time and thinking when you are making your spending, you know, is this giving me the best satisfaction that I could get for the money that I'm spending or would I be better off spending it in another way? It makes so much sense because of course you do want to get something for your money that is rewarding to you, whether it be a hobby. But that is my Mm -hmm. next question, Eugene. It's a huge problem that our younger generation is looking on social media and, you know, seeing people spend and what they're buying or what they have in life. But as you said, some people that are going on the two holidays a year buying these lavish things, really it doesn't mean that they've got their spending together. It just means that they could be recklessly spending. Yeah, you. I have, I have over the years, I've been trying to advice, I've, I've called her, Lots of people who, from the outside, would appear to be incredibly successful, um, but the reality is that a bit like uh, you know the analogy of the duck, where above the water everything looks calm and peaceful, and below the water they're paddling like all hell to try and you know keep keep going up the stream. Again, to use the phrase again, money mindfulness. It's it's probably now more important than it ever was before because of the the whole social media influence. I suppose, the curated life that, that people present of themselves. Uh, I'm sure everybody at this age, social media has been around long enough now for, I'm sure, almost everybody to have an experience with a, with a friend or a colleague or somebody that you discover that they're, they're actually struggling in life. And you go, well, you know, I, I had no idea you were struggling, whatever, either emotionally or personally or financially or whatever it was. Uh, and you go, I had no idea, but you wouldn't have had any idea from from following them on social media because it's a, a carefully curate, curated, um, you know, experience or, or uh, view that that is being presented. So it said to me recently, and I really, really loved it. Uh, it was that uh, sex and money are very similar in Ireland. We know people have it, but they don't talk about it. Yeah, it's the truth. And, and, that's, and that's, the, that's the difficulty with the social media views and stuff like that. Is that. You don't really know what's going on. And you don't know, and some people might be incredibly successful or have gotten an inheritance or come into some money in some way. And that's what's funny. You really don't know what, what you, we're not working off a, a level playing field and you just don't know. So that's the thing that, that what we emphasize in money coaching is, you know, make your own decisions. You know, decide what what is important for you, what you're working towards, what gives you happiness, what gives you value, what is it, what is a value spend, as in not this product was discounted and I got it for 50% off, but is it in line with my values? Is this something that is important to me or not? So if you're, if, if somebody's putting themselves under pressure to change their car to uh, and take on a loan payment of four or 500 euro a month, and the only reason they're really changing the car is because they have the oldest car in the car park at work. Like, 
that's not, in my opinion, like that's not a good reason to change the car. There's lots of other reasons that might be a good reason. Maybe you have a growing family. Maybe the the, the car you had just isn't te- mechanically reliable enough. Or, you know, th- there could be any number of reasons that are actually important reasons for you to want to change the car. But if you have a eight-year-old car or a seven-year-old car, and you just recognize that all your work colleagues have upgraded their cars and now yours is the oldest car in the car park. That, that, I actually take that. I, I would often actually use that as a badge of honor. You'd be like, well, okay, it might be the oldest car in the car park, but it's fully paid for. I, I, and I have no monthly payment and my savings are going really well and I'm working towards getting my mortgage paid early or whatever the thing that might be uh, of importance and give you more value. That's it. There's a pressure, isn't there, for our younger generation having the best shoes, having the brand name, having all these things because that's what your friends have. When in actual fact, we start very early with reckless spending. If you think about the pressures that we we go through when we're younger, the panic buying and the, you know, buying something because it was 50% off, that starts really early on in life, Eugene, doesn't it? It does. One of the things that we, we work with people as well as we work with parents to, to give them techniques to help to instill better habits for their kids. And it's interesting because there's a behavioral uh, economist called uh, Taylor, and he has this uh, line where he says, you know, uh, people aren't stupid. Life is difficult. Life is hard. And it's hard to make the right decisions and it's hard to do the right things. And it's very easy to go about things the wrong way for the right intention. And I'll give you an example of that. There is, and I actually see a lot of these apps that are for sale now to try and encourage better uh, uh, financial awareness for your children. And one of, all of the ones that I've seen do, that do that, what they all do is they link pocket money to chores. And as a parent, you know, I, I can, I can, you know, without knowing the psychology behind it, I can say, oh, there'd be a logic to that. You want your children to be to have an appreciation for money. You want your children to uh, understand the value of money. And you want them to do work around the house. Yeah. So you'd link the two together. But there's, there's unintended consequences that result from that. So the, the first of that is that, well, what happens if you've linked chores to pocket money? What happens the next time you need them to do something? So maybe, you know, cutting grass wasn't part of the chore, but now they're old enough to do it. And now you want to add that in as a thing maybe they should be doing. Obviously, the, the, the very first question that they'll probably say to you is, how much? Like, what is it worth to me? And unless you're fortunate enough to live in a house with, you know, staff and a chef, you know, somebody in the house has to do the work. And as the children get older, you know, they should be expected to contribute and work in the household in the house. But if you, if you have then given them the understanding that the things that they do in the house are, de- are worthy to be paid for, or if a 17-year-old gets a part-time job, wouldn't it be reasonable for the 17-year-old to say, listen, mum and dad, I'm not, I'm not doing the dishwasher jobs anymore and washing the floors or whatever it is that you had me doing. I have my own income now. Thanks very much. And, you know, it's easy to see how, how you can end up in that situation. It's all about the training along the way. This type of training, particularly around money mindfulness and money coaching, it's not popular enough yet. Uh, it's not out there in the mainstream. People just aren't getting the exposure to it, I think, which is really the problem. I love that. Honestly, I was absolutely engrossed in that because I have two small kids who I give pocket money to 
to do some chores. But it makes sense. It makes total sense that, you know, when they get older or even instilling if they did get the job at 17 and they're still living at home, you know, that they hand up something towards the housekeep or, you know, to teach them that when you do move out of home, you will have to pay for rent, food. Yeah, just a a couple of tweaks to change that will help with them is the first one is, well, if they get pocket money, they should just get pocket money and it should be consistent on a certain day of a certain amount. Uh, and the chores just uncouple the chores from the pocket money. There may be an occasion where they're, they're, you're asking them to do something, you know, over and above and you can a price figure on that and that would be reasonable. But the other important thing, the other real important thing for kids is that when they do come into money and kids come into money between communities and confirmations and birthdays and grandparents giving them money and everything else, is that when they do come into money, if you can get them into the habit, and it's worthwhile even having three separate money boxes for this, get them into the habit of a third, a third, and a third. So when they do come into money, a third of the money goes into their spend jar, a third goes into their save jar, and a third goes into their sharing jar. Because the reality is that if, we, if they leave house and they move into their first accommodation with a partner or with friends, that's ultimately what they're going to do with their salary. Their mo- the money they earn... A portion of it is for spending, a portion of it is for saving, and a portion of it is for sharing. And what I mean by sharing is, you know, in a household, they're going to have to contribute to the electricity and the groceries and utility bills and so on. So, and I know it's very hard for parents to do this, but uh, expecting your children to contribute into a sharing pot, whether it's they can contribute into the sharing pot for when you go out for a meal or when they're go- you're going on a holiday or something like that. But, but that, at least they won't be surprised when they, you know, when they reach whatever age, anywhere from 18 to 25 or whatever it is that they, they move on and move into their own place. They're not going to be surprised by the concept, at least. I love that, Eugene. I'm going out right now buying three money boxes <laughs> for both children. <laughs> and I'm hoping they're listening in this morning. Eugene, <laughs> it's fascinating. It really does fascinate me. If you were to give us a tip for our young listeners, what would it be? It might be a bit of a big tip for them to have to do. Um, the advice that we give for tips and stuff in money coaching, ultimately it comes from behavioural psychology. And one of the best behavioural psychology books that I've read over the years is Atomic Habit. The stuff that we do essentially is the same psychology as that. So Atomic Habits is a fantastic small book that if you want to improve anything in your life, whether it's your health or uh, exercise or um, finances, whatever the thing is that you want to have better habits for in your life, uh, it is an absolutely fantastic manual for showing you how all that is done. So that would that would be my, my one tip. The second thing would be, you know, we love delivering this uh, service to customers. Absolutely. The more that I could deliver it to the better. So if, if somebody would like to reach out and make contact with myself or particularly as well, if there's a certain things that they're struggling with that we haven't touched on there uh, that they would like. Because a, a lot of the time for us, you know, the the solution improving somebody's habits or finding them the solution a lot of it comes down to creativity so trying to find a, a a way in which something will work for somebody which as i said to you earlier uh you know isn't difficult relatively easy to do and if he benefits out of it and, and that's really a creative function which we absolutely love working with people on that so um the book and if people want to reach out to us happily talk to them I'd be delighted to eugene you are based here in limerick but of course you do zooms nationwide for anyone right. that wants to come on zoom but you are 
based here in Limerick, which is fantastic. And if anyone was to look for you on social media, where would they find you? Our website is sortmyfinances.org and the email is info at sortmyfinances.org. We will be launching fairly soon uh, a lot of our content on downloadable content through the website. But for the moment, we, we are happy to do one-on-one conversations with people and to start a conversation, you know, without obligation, you know, just to see where is somebody at and if we could help them or not. So, yeah, if you want to reach out to us, we happily talk in the future, uh, in the not-too-distant future, people will be able to engage to the website to, um, to be able to see our content there. Eugene, honestly, thank you so much for such an informative 30 minutes. And thank you for joining me on Mind Your Mind on Spin. I've loved it. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to Mind Your Mind. Do tune in next week where I catch up with life coach Patrick Mercy. If you missed today's episode, you can listen back on Spins app powered by Go Loud.